Welcome to the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. What is up, fantasy people? Welcome back to the True North Fantasy Pod. I am Trav Jammin in Dirty Laundry Studios, as always, and I've got my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin with me. What up, Ty? Same old, same old. How about yourself? What is up? Doing well, as uh, as you would say, living the dream, right? Um, so yeah, you <laughs> you can find Ty on Twitter, rocking at TNFF Tyrell. And you can find me at TSEAL. We are brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing DFS platform on the planet. Get in there, throw down on some uh, player prop games for the Super Bowl, and you can use our promo code TNFF to get an instant match of up to 50 bucks. And that's on your first deposit. Uh, big thanks to everyone who's gone on there and signed up so far. That really helps us a lot. And uh, thank you. Again, that promo code is TNFF at monkeyknifefight.com. So Ty, our guest tonight um, is a returning guest, and we are super thankful to have him here. That would be my man, Tyler Gunther. Find him on Twitter at DHH underscore Tyler. He is, uh, in our eyes, an OG of the fantasy analyst community, uh, all the way back to uh, writing for the fantasy footballers um, in their in their early days. And he then obviously went on to create Dynasty Happy Hour, which has been mega successful and uh, definitely a staple in my podcast rotation um how you doing tonight tyler welcome back to the true north pod man good good at uh, first thing uh, ty how is your sister sarah doing <laughs> i've heard that one before yeah, yeah different spelling different spelling <laughs> yeah, that was good. i mean did, was that song where she's like i will always i will remember you is that about you like and how you guys always fact. have a bond well, like she told me it was it was about me but we all know it was about titanic so uh, yeah that's true but uh, yeah, it, it's good to be back. I mean, I it, I feel like I'm at home here. It's it, you guys are like my my step brothers. Like, like <laughs> it, it's just like I, I'm in Minnesota. I'm a, I'm a little south. I wish I was a little northern Minnesota, but I'm I'm in the southern area. So I, I like to consider myself second Canadian. Or the Minnesota area is is what we like to call New Canada. How there's like New Mexico. We're like New Canada. <laughs> Well, last time you were on, I believe we tabbed you honorary Canadian, Tyler. So um, that's just as good as the real thing in my book. I mean, if you can stand outside in zero degree weather in basketball shorts and a T-shirt for at least 30 minutes, you should be considered just northern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Minnesotans, yeah. Minnesotans are arguably more Canadian than us on the west coast i think you know what i mean like uh when it comes to <laughs> the thick accents the uh you know the the snow and just you know the hockey mentality up, all that good stuff playing it's, hockey it's, it's almost yeah oh like yeah you, that's minnesota you and Boston. you you legit go further north you hit the twin cities you're going to start hearing more of the accent the minnesota accent you know the hot dishes and then you you know oh yeah sure you betcha you're gonna hear that <laughs> And then yeah, you hit Fargo. northern Minnesota, like real close to Canada. It is thick. 
And it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm in a whole different universe now. Like that's it. It's it's completely different. They live off the they live off the lakes. That's all the lakes in the woods. <laughs> shout out to, shout out to our buddy fishing. Dan Williamson from oh, uh, yeah. from the Goat District podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a proud Minnesotan and he comes up and does wilderness stuff in Canada all the time. And yeah, totally more Canadian than what we're dealing with out here. <laughs> yeah, he's he's more Minnesotan than anybody I've met because you could tell in the podcast he starts he tries to hold it back, but when he starts getting getting loose on the podcast uh it just it just flows yeah yeah and he spits flames all right fellas so tonight's episode um we are going to be talking all about the nfl coaching carousel so we have seven new hires this year um a lot of new faces to the coaching uh, the head coaching scene. Uh, we're going to run through the situations. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means for the offense as a whole. We're going to talk about kind of what these guys bring to the table and, and what some of their history is. And, and we're going to talk about some winners from these coaching hires. Um, so I'm pretty stoked to get into that. We got a lot to talk about, including my birds and Tyler, your birds as well. So uh, yeah. should we fire right into it, fellas? Let's do it. All right. So the first team on the docket is uh, is the Detroit Lions. We're going to start in Rock City. They hired Dan Campbell. He brought along with him head or uh, offensive coordinator now, Anthony Lynn. I don't think you you didn't pronounce it right. Dan Cannibal. Yeah, Dan Cannibal. <laughs> the animal. The right. animal. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. MCDC. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Motor City. Yeah, Dan the Campbell. guy is. Uh, the guy seems pretty wild and uh, shout out to our buddy Big Cat as well, because he was in a group chat saying that he was ready to run through a brick wall after that hiring and that press conference that he saw. He's a big Lions fan. So, um, but Dan Campbell, former Lions tight end in his playing days, actually. So he's kind of coming back home. Um, he kind of starts the tenure off with uh, a bit of a wild trade. We obviously saw Matthew Stafford went to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and two firsts and a third, I believe. Um, So starting with a fresh start here in Detroit, um, along with Anthony Lynn, uh, potential Hall of Fame running backs coach, he also brought over Deuce Staley. Um, So there's uh, there's a heavy running back influence in that in that room. Um, Tyler, we're going to start with you. I think for me, the it looks like it's moving towards the running back. But with Dan Campbell in there, there is still a lot of question as towards how this team looks. Um, do you think we're about to see another rough patch in, in Detroit, or do you think the way that they kind of retooled with Goff and those picks is going to get them competitive sooner rather than later? If I was a Detroit fan, I'd be happy. I mean, I mean, Stafford is kind of like what another team we're going to talk about, Matt Ryan, who who's kind of stuck there. And with Stafford, he's a great talent and it's good that he's elsewhere. Like that's fine. Let him go succeed somewhere else. But you know what? You bring in Jared Goff, who's, five six years younger and and i mean i don't think he's bad he's not great he's not he doesn't have the arm talent staff has but you know what he can make those intermediate throws and the weapons they have quintus cephas tj hawkinson and deandre swift those are weapons that actually work to his advantage Goff is going to use the middle of the field more he's going to go those intermediate routes and i think that's what they want and you know what if Goff doesn't work out that's fine you you have tons of picks you're going to be able to draft players. There's quarterbacks next season. Spencer Rattler is another example who's coming out next year. The Sam Howell, 
you're going to be able to get the, one of those guys if this doesn't work out. So it's not so bad. Like you, you actually wind up with two more first, Jared Goff, and, and then like a little bit more cap room because Stafford, I think, was more on the on the cap. I'm pretty sure because Goff restructured. I could be wrong, but but yeah, I, I love the move for him. I, I think Dan Campbell is going to be a good coach. He's a player's coach, and I think he's going to let his coordinators do their job. And that's what I like about head coaching. Like Urban Meyer, he's a player's coach. We're going to talk about him later. Same with Dan Campbell. Like he's going to just be there for the players. He's going to get you in that mindset and just let the coordinators do their job. Yeah, I, I like that. And I kind of hope so, especially um, especially for DeAndre Swift. Ty, I, I know you've been doing a little bit digging. Uh, you put out a nice resource for the True North team, actually, with uh, the list of the new hires and all the coaching staffs and stuff like that. Uh, what do you think about the Dan Campbell hire? He's uh, He had a little stint with, with the Dolphins as an interim head coach, but other than that, he's just been coaching tight ends. Yeah, I wonder, uh, Joe Philbin, somewhere hilarious still. That guy is still in the league. Uh, who he replaced in Miami. Uh I, so I kind of have a pretty bleak outlook on 2021 for the Lions, at least from a fantasy lens. And even from a real football perspective, like there's zero pressure on them to be super competitive in year one. Like a new head coach and a GM is always a good buffer from year one anyways. And the just the signals they're sending us say future, you know, plus from the horse's mouth, like Dan Campbell and the new Lions GM both said repeatedly, you know, stuff like what, what do we look like two years from now? We want this guy to be in our core foundation two years from now. And just the the term on Dan Campbell's contract moves they're making all kind of set up to have success in 2022 and beyond really. And it, it, it's great. Like too often we see a band-aid approach from an organization. Right. But I will say uh, like, it, I just think it might be a stretch to say we should be buying up line stock for fantasy. Right. Like, I don't know if this is a ground floor situation because of these hires, so to speak, I'm still kind of battling with, how I feel about these guys like Dan Campbell seems awesome hungry for knee cops and all that demands effort but not in like a douchey Matt Patricia way and not like like he's not an offensive guru by any means and the guy calling plays like I think we all deserve a year off from Anthony Lynn to be honest but we don't get that so X's and O's is something I think we end up kind of shitting on throughout the offseason to be completely honest from a fantasy perspective but I do like 100% appreciate that this franchise seems to be hitting the reset button, right? Like from top to bottom and preparing to take their time, be meticulous. And I may not agree with the name, so to speak. I, I just, I really appreciate the attempt at a process because decision-making at the top of the lines organization has been sketchy at best, right? And beyond the coaching hires, like, you know, there's guys like John Dorsey, Chris Spielman in the front office, which pushes Rodwood, Sheila Ford Hamp out of the football pie, which I thought was a must. And I know I'm kind of falling off the fantasy rails here, Trav, but, I just think it all goes back to what happened with Stafford and the new era they're trying to kind of cultivate here. So getting to that quarterback trade, it, it I think it almost had nothing to do with Jared Goff, to be honest. The Lions just had to pull the trigger on this this move. Like, I know there's rumors about Washington may may have offered more. Patriots made the news re-Matt Douche Trisha, but this was bigger than them getting the highest return, in my opinion. Like, Stafford wanted to go to L.A., and by mm -hmm. making that deal happen, they appeased more people than I think we can even imagine. Like doing right by the guy who did your franchise right forever seems like simple logic, but it's been the complete opposite in Detroit in my lifetime. Like the Barry's, Barry Sanders drama, that's for another day for sure. But the ongoing Megatron beef, stuff like that just kind of poisons an organization, I think. So seems like they're turning over a new leaf. I think it worked out. Like mm -hmm. the, the, new Lions, uh, the new Lions GM is Brad Holmes. And, you know, probably an excellent broker in the deal. He's fresh out of that Rams organization. 
And Holmes was apparently instrumental in the Rams trading up to get Goff, you know, in LA. So, and on top of that, like furthering the long-term outlook narrative, Trav, like they also made the deal because they received multiple first round picks. Mm -hmm. The criticism a little bit is because those picks are in 2022 and 2023. So I just think that's, you know, them building slow, which I think is a good move for this franchise. By the way, that'll make eight straight years the Rams don't have a first round pick. Like they could come, <laughs> you know, 2024, they could look back and say the last time we made a first round pick was was Jared Goff. Thanks a lot, Brad Holmes. Wow. <laughs> Go to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like, I, and... I just think. Uh... Go ahead. No, go for it. Well, no, I just think, like, uh, the I'll, question I'll, is... I'll talk. I'll talk. I mean, yeah. If we're going to talk about fantasy lens, the players actually took a hit mentally. Like everybody in the industry is like, oh, screw Lions players. I'm done with them. It creates a perfect buying opportunity in my mind because guys like TJ Hawkinson, I mean, okay, you have Dan Campbell coming in. What position did he play? Tight end. What is he going to do when he sees TJ Hawkinson tearing up the practice field? He's going to sit there. He's going to flex. And then after he's done flexing and showing everybody, he's going to be like, that guy needs the ball. And if he doesn't get the ball, I'm going to take everybody's kneecaps off. And I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. Like, it's all uh, uh, a proposition of the cost for sure. I do think, yeah. though, I'm a little bit lower on golf. Like, there's no doubt that, you know, the spectacular scheming, play calling, play design, the motion, play action, some of the most free yards statistically with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup being yak machines. Like, Anthony Lynn just won't offer those things to, to Jared Goff. Like thinking a dynasty super flex, I just, I, I worry that he might actually get over overdrafted. Whereas someone like Kenny Galladay, once he's franchise tagged or, uh, uh, you know, some of the other weapons in this offense, like TJ Hawkinson is just, you know, a guy who could even ascend into that elite tier next year at the tight end mm -hmm. position heading into no. his third season. So there, there's a lot to like there, but I think, uh, you know, to Tyler's point, it's going to really come down to like that cost. Now, I also had a theory about Jared Goff. McVay is the guy who is pretty much in his ear at all time. I feel like Goff got an unfair learning. You know, all he had to do was call the play, and then McVay was constantly in his ear. I don't think it allowed Goff to actually grow into the player he, he could have been. Mm -hmm. And maybe going to Detroit, and Anthony Lynn, I, I get, I, I thought Anthony Lynn is a good offensive mind i don't think he's a good head coach i think he's a better guy suited for just taking care of the offense we saw it in buffalo we we saw uh, you know bits and pieces with the chargers and then i i think going to the lions it's going to help out a lot and, and just him focusing on his offense and uh, that being said anthony lynn he's a running backs guy he he you know he he knows his running backs i think deandre swift is going to be slept on a lot. I mean, you guys all know I'm I'm a DeAndre DeAndre Swift truther through yeah. and through. I will never give this guy up. He's ultra talented and when Dan Campbell said he's going to get him in space, awesome. That's what they should have done. He's a guy that needs 15 to 18 carries and then at least 6 targets a game. If he reaches that threshold, he's going to be a top 5 back. And mm -hmm. honestly, it doesn't matter how bad this team is. They're going to get Swift the ball. 
Yeah, he's uh he's super explosive even on limited work. Like you said, 15 carries isn't like you know, you're 20 plus a game, like you generally like the perception is of those top five backs. But I think his explosiveness and his pass catching are what can kind of get him there. That kind of brought me perfectly, Tyler, into the next topic was talking a little bit of DeAndre Swift and and kind of what we think is ahead for him and whether whether he is the clearest winner out of this team or um, is there maybe multiple winners or or maybe is it a bit of a downgrade for for other guys as well? Oh, it's an it's an upgrade because I think bringing in Deuce Daly and Anthony Lynn is huge. I mean, that mm-hmm. that alone is awesome. I think Miles Sanders is an amazing running back. That coaching staff did not use him the right way. Hopefully, Correct. Dan Campbell just hopefully Dan Campbell just says, Hey, you guys do you. All right. You guys do what you need to do with this stud running back, and I'm gonna stay stay back. And and I think that's what Dan Campbell's gonna do. Like he's just he's he's like the motivational speaker. And then you bring in the other people to sell the actual product. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it too. And approach, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's perfect too because it's a really, a really good way to take a little bit off of Dan Campbell's shoulders as somebody who hasn't fully run a franchise before. Um, and Anthony Lynn has done it before, and Deuce Staley was in talks for the Eagles uh, OC job for a little bit there before they messed that situation up post Frank Reich. Um, the thing I'm hopeful for with DeAndre Swift, like you said, Tyler, was those targets. Um, Anthony Lynn obviously comes from the Chargers and every season, but his first season there, the Chargers were top five in running back target share. Um, and in the season, they weren't top five. They were still ten, top 10. So I'm I'm really, good, really happy about that, especially because it suits golf as well, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so Swift is my clear winner for that. What do you uh, what do you think, Ty, on on Shifty Swifty and kind of his outlook going forward with those running back guys? Yeah, I think uh, like I think it's super nuanced. So it's something I definitely want to work through through the offseason. And it's going to come down to cost, right? Like Because we might have to take DeAndre Swift at the top of our second rounds of a fantasy draft, which I might be willing to do. But there's, the, you know, maybe I'll just go like pro con here. So pro Tyler mentioned it. He's getting Anthony Lynn. He's getting uh, uh, Deuce Daly coming in. These are guys who obviously lend to rushing production. Uh, pro, the offensive line is pretty stout. Lions ranked seventh in yards before contact per attempt last year. Tiny pro, there's wide receivers leaving in free agency, even if they're mm-hmm. just ancillary pieces because Kenny G's back, like they're losing Marvin Jones, losing some of these guys. The big pro, DeAndre Swift will see a huge increase in rushing volume. His touch total could skyrocket, right? And pro, Swift is a really good running back, right? Like he can be a three-down guy and he excels in the passing game. He also put that on display in year one. But the cons, and Trav, stop me if I start you know, talking about getting to the heart of fantasy football philosophy or something here, but <laughs> I think, you know, how do you how do you value the volume, right? Like the Lions were one of the top 10 pass-heaviest teams last year. I think that would surprise some people with Adrian Peterson and all that. In neutral game scripts, they were the fourth pass-heaviest uh, team, chucking the rock 65% of the time. As a rookie, Swift had the 11th highest share of his team's targets among all running backs last year. Right away, we could say that he needs to see a higher share of his team's targets to make up for the team passing the ball last next year. So Mm -hmm. Swift had about a 13% market share. That was higher than the entire running back market share for the Rams under Goff in either of the last two seasons. 12.6% last year, 10% in 2019, bottom three both seasons, bottom three in total running back targets as well. So I'm a bit skeptical that DeAndre Swift can have like that blow up season in the passing game that we know he can have talent-wise uh, simply because he'll be running the ball a lot more. And I'm not sure they want him playing uh, 85% of the snaps. Only a few running backs a season do that. Uh, 
but I would argue that he, he he probably like my problem is that he probably needs that 50 catches right around there to pay off that second round draft price. So I just think, you know, I don't know if he's going to have a monopoly on that goal line work either. We haven't really seen that in Anthony Lynn offense. Haven't seen that in Detroit in recent years. So I just think there's a lot of things that could get checked for his boxes that I don't necessarily want to check. And there's also like some rabbit holes. I can go down with touchdowns. Like they scored 17 rushing touchdowns last year. That's going to go down uh, in Detroit. And, you know, he led the NFL in yards per carry against stacked rates, uh, stacked boxes. And I know Jared Goff coming in might increase his stacked rates a little bit, but I don't think they will that much. My problem is, I don't know if he's going to lead the NFL in yards per carry. Like it was just Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift who averaged over six yards per carry against stacked boxes last year. So for me, oh, it really, both, it'll both come down to the targets. my two favorite running backs. I mean, I love me those too. two running backs. <laughs> me too, so much. <laughs> so good. And I, I think it's tough. Like, uh, if I see it from him early in the season, I'll be ready to say he is Nick Chubb and ready to say that this guy can be an outlier in the sense where he doesn't even need 50 catches to pay off his ADP because he's that talented in this offense. But it, it really just will come down to the targets. It'll come down to the fact that, yeah, he's going to be a top 15 running back, but so will Austin Eckler, so will Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor. You know, the, the Taylor Swift debate, rage that one, get that one raging again. Uh, I just think <laughs> there, it, I'm going to have some tough decisions and I really haven't gotten into the weeds too much, but I can find some holes in DeAndre Swift's production profile in 2021. I think you're forgetting one major thing. And I mentioned this to Matthew Barry today. Adrian Peterson was on that roster and every running back Adrian Peterson mentors seems to just blow up. (laughs) And I mean, you got Antonio Gibson, you got Alvin Kamara and, and DeAndre Swift and DeAndre Swift had a mini breakout until he got hurt. But I mean, I, I we love AP up here. I mean, AP is the dude up here mm-hmm. in Minnesota. So uh, yeah, I mean, AP. I would I would actually like for AP to come back to Detroit because I would be less fearful of uh, of Swift getting siphon carries away from him. I think AP would be a perfect fit there for what Vrabel or not Vrabel. I, I mean, same person pretty much. Yeah. Dan Campbell, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and. Uh, I think it'd be a perfect fit for that backup running back for Swift and, and still the mentor and, and he can beat up on Minnesota twice a, in a year. So uh, he'd probably love that. And green Bay, he hates green Bay. Like it doesn't matter. He could play for any yeah. team in the NFL. It would never be green Bay. <laughs> you got to love that as a Minnesotan too, that he's like loyal that way. Cause I'm sure you guys hate the Packers just as much as he does. And, he, and he's a machine. Uh, he'll never yeah. age. He's legit just a cyborg. You just got to keep him up to date. You got to get those oil changes. You got to make sure all the joints are, are are running smooth. But yeah, I mean, he's going to play past Frank Gore probably. Yeah, and you just got to give him a little bit of regular run just to keep, yeah, like you said, everything yeah. lubed up. And he's getting it. Like he's he's hanging on. Um, so I think that was really well said on Swift in the running back room. And I, I think AP would be a nice fit back there as well. Um, we touched a little bit on the wide receiver room and it's definitely like a, Quintez Cephas is, I think the only guy who is under contract right now. Um, Kenny Galladay, you said Ty could be back on the franchise tag. Um, like what, what do we say about this? These, these wide receivers, because Jared Goff is not a deep passer. Both of those guys are downfield guys. Um, obviously they're going to bring some people in to have bodies in yeah. the wide receiver room. Um, what are you saying about the wide receivers? Like with Goff's deficiencies as a deep passer, Tyler, would you, 
would you still be looking at some of those guys or would you specifically be looking for like a short target slot guy? Or do you think some of these downfield options can maybe be better downfield options than what he had in, in um, Los Angeles with Cooper cup and Robert Woods being after the catch guys as well. Why wouldn't Juju be a perfect fit for this team? I mean, that that's pretty much a Cooper cup style of play. Yeah. Juju would be a perfect fit. And like somebody mentioned in the chat, they ganked 14 million in cap space. Use mm-hmm. that get Juju in draft a quarterback at, at six or seven, wherever they're at, because they're going to have an opportunity to get one of these guys. Uh, let them sit behind Goff If Goff works out, I mean, you got two quarterbacks and that's mm-hmm. great, but uh, yeah, bring in Juju. Honestly, I would bring back Kenny Galladay. He he's getting long in the tooth and I get it's a second contract. He's going to be, I think close to 28 mm-hmm. last I saw. And yeah, I mean, with a guy like Kenny Galladay who had who hurt his hip this year, that's not anything to kind of turn your head towards. That's a that's a pretty bad injury when you're a wide receiver, especially somebody like him who goes up and gets the ball and needs to to move and and twist his body and how good he is at that, how good he is at changing his direction, uh, going up for those jump balls. It, he needs that hip and that hip to be healthy to do that. So honestly, I'd go like Juju and bring in another another receiver and start Cephas. I mean, he's a good receiver. Mm-hmm. We all saw it when Galladay was out and Marvin Jones was in him and Cephas were the only two. Cephas is good. And I mean, you look at the guy on the opposite side of the field, Jeff Okuda, when they did interviews with him at the combine, they pretty much said, like he said, Quintus Cephas was my hardest cover throughout all of college. Mm-hmm. And, and that's insane because, I mean, Cephas wasn't really a high recruit. He wasn't really a high pick, but that's pretty high praise. And let's just give him a run, sign Juju, and get Hawkinson 120-plus targets. Yes, I want to see that for sure. For sure. And I would love to see, like, I got some dynasty rosters that definitely would love to see Cephas get the start in that offense. Um, Ty, are you thinking Kenny Galladay comes back, or do you think he gone? Yeah, I think they tag him and kick it, kick the bucket down uh, a year. I think there's no no reason really not to, unless uh, they really want to be super hyperactive in that free agency market. Uh, but I think year one, like I don't think we're gonna see a ton of moves. I think Juju really jumps off the page. Though. That's a really good fit for sure. And I have a hard time finding good fits for somebody like Juju. You know me, Trav. So I think that's a really good mm-hmm. uh, a really good call. And I think Galladay, you know, some of that talk was really interesting because he was an older prospect. He is about to be, you know, 28 or 29 or 27 or 28. And, you know, while I still like him a lot, I just think we need to recalibrate, you know, our perception of him, you know, in Anthony Miller style or whatever you want to call it. Obviously he's extremely whoa, on a different whoa. level than, I, well, I just mean, you know, for like a Sterling Shepard, like these are guys who get old mm-hmm. really quick and you just, what, we have, eyes. we have They're Anthony Miller truthers in here or what? No, absolutely not. No. Absolutely um, not. Okay. But I would I would say I'm a bit of a Kenny Galladay truther, or have been through the years. A little so, bit. Uh, he's a, he's you know, a good I, player. I, I do but think he's a really good wide receiver. But I agree, the hip is that's a that's a reoccurring injury. That's a high rate of reoccurrence with hip injuries. I mean, and uh, Matt Matt Barry today even said he's like, have what if Kenny G went to L.A. on a bit of a discount to him, or Marvin Jones went to L.A. followed Stafford there. I mean, Marvin mm-hmm. Jones and Stafford are really good friends. They need that mm-hmm. deep threat. But yeah, I mean, both those receivers going to LA would be pretty good fits. I just, I don't think with the way Detroit is building, they want a pricey receiver that's on the older side on the books. I think they'd rather put that money towards 
like I said, Juju, a, a younger receiver and, coming into their own. And I think they will do that. I just think they'll do it in 2022. Like, I think they'll tag them just because of losing all these guys, whether it's Marvin Jones, Amendola, like they're losing everybody. So I just think, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be in a position where you feel compelled to overpay in free agency. If you get into a bidding war, you don't want to be compelled to spend multiple picks in the draft at wide receiver because you feel like you need a wide receiver. I, I also think Galladay, you, like it, it would make sense because I don't think Galladay is going to get more than like whatever the, the franchise tag would be what, like 17, 18 mil. I don't think he's going to get more than that annually on the open market. Anyways, like it might be the best case scenario for him to just sign the tag play, put up a good year as kind of the alpha only show in town thing, unless they bring in a juju or something. So that's the way I see it. But I definitely think in 2022, he'll be off the, off the, off the lines for sure. They won't sign him to like a long-term deal. I don't think. And I he mean, was also Dan, on good morning football and sounded like he was coming back this week. I mean, Dan Campbell is a former tight end. What if they just draft Kyle Pitts and just run tight ends all over the <laughs> yeah. damn field? <laughs> like 14 Chill. personnel. Yeah. Yeah. Just tight end <laughs> on the outside. Kyle Pitts, Hawkinson on the other side, Cephas in the slot. They put Juju at tight end. It's it's like, remember that scene from little giants when they're trying to spy on him, and they're like, look at this. The center's in the backfield. The quarterback's <laughs> not even there. <laughs> they're, just standing, they're just standing around putts <laughs> that is fantastic we've got uh, a new member of true north here chiming in he is also a big lions fan he did confirm that on good morning football kenny galladay said he's excited about playing for dan campbell so that's an interesting little nugget and welcome to the team nate um pleasure to have you on and Tyler, actually, before we move into the next team, which happens to be your team, I we glossed over over it a little bit. You mentioned it. You got or had the pleasure of having a podcast today on the Dynasty Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. Um, just wanted to let our listeners know they got to make sure they go check out the Dynasty Happy Hour because a it's got Tyler and the gang on there, and they just had an episode with Matthew Dude, Barry. You we talked on the show beforehand. Why yeah. are you saying that they have me? You actually want them to listen. Like that's like the worst. Like you could say they have Doug, they have Tim, they had Matthew Barry, and they have this other guy, but you know, he's a he's okay. But yeah, just focus on the other three. Okay, so he had Matthew Barry on an episode today. So um A, uh, congratulations on having the TMR on. That's pretty fantastic. And I haven't had the chance to check it out yet because I was at work while you guys had it. Uh, but I'm definitely gonna gonna play that back a little bit later. So Dynasty Happy Hour. That was on YouTube, right? I saw you guys. Yeah, it'll be on podcast form, but YouTube YouTube takes forever to allow you to download a video. It feels and and it feels like the ones you don't want to download, it's like comes up right away. And then this episode, like I'm like, I need, I want to edit it. They're like, nope, you can't have it. Mm -hmm. I get that (laughs) when I'm going to like when I'm going to add some stuff to the description or whatever, the ones that I get to right away take for, take till the next morning um, and then vice versa to the ones that I don't get yeah. to, to the next morning. So it's interesting how that works. But um, anyway, yeah, so we are going to move on now to your favorite squad, the Hotlanta Falcons, Tyler. Um, we talked a little bit about it before the show and the Arthur Smith hire is a very interesting one. Um, he's the former Titans offensive coordinator, comes into Atlanta um, after a couple great seasons with Ryan Tannehill. Um, Up until 2018, though, for Arthur Smith, he hadn't really done anything more than coaching offensive line, and then he bursts onto the scene, has a little – or he actually coached tight ends as well, sorry. And then he comes in with Tannehill and and Vrabel, like we talked about, running through brick walls. Um, 
with what he did in the running game over in Tennessee, Tyler, do you see this offense getting more balanced in Atlanta? I know that it's been a very heavy passing volume. Um, they brought in Gurley to try and do so last year, but it didn't really work. Um, what's your take on on what type of offense we see rolled out there? Are we going to get the fireworks? Um, I think it's going to be a little more balanced. But from what I've seen from Arthur Smith, he usually goes for what the team has. Well, you got Julio, you got Kelvin Ridley. Uh, Tennessee had uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, very similar type receivers, except A.J. Brown is a like a Julio clone almost. And Corey Davis is bigger than and than Ridley, but I think Ridley's more of a complete receiver than, than Davis is. And, and I just think that they need a running back so bad in this offense. Gurley did not work out one bit, and I that was tough because I was excited about it. Uh, you know, I, he's back home in Georgia. I was like, okay, here we go. That knee is way worse than anybody probably thought. Like if we all were kind of cautious about it, but then like we actually, I, I would give, I'd give major props to somebody that said, I knew this was going to happen because can I, I can I break in there on Ty's behalf here? One of the first articles that he ever wrote on the true North website, um, probably almost two years ago right now um, was talking about how similar this is to the Terrell Davis situation in Denver and how quickly Terrell Davis fell off. I'll, uh, I'll try and get a link to that and put it in the description of the episode. Um, but uh, that is a feather in my He's man's two, cap over there. That Two great Georgia running backs who had very similar arthritic knee conditions. Yeah. And, and the crazy uh, thing played is out almost identically. The crazy thing is, is he wasn't the Georgia running back that had the serious knee injury. That is Nick Chubb. True. Nick yeah, Chubb totally. is probably going to have yeah. the longer Sony career. Michelle. Yeah, Sony yeah. like Ma- Michelle actually looked like he had a, a hitch in his step finally. Like he looked like he was he's getting that burst back towards the end of the season, which is awesome yeah, because Sony Michelle was explosive a- in college and then went to New yeah. England. Honestly, I have a friend that's a New England fan. I said they look like they're changing Sony Michelle into this power back. Looks and like he goes, I'm afraid. Yeah, he's like, I'm afraid they are. Like they're making him put on weight, and, and and I'm like, no, you need to keep this guy explosive. And I think that's where the injury started coming from with Sony. But that's off topic. And Atlanta needs a running back, and there's a couple here. Like I love Javante Williams from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He'd be the perfect fit in Atlanta. He can do everything. He's got the balance. He's got the vision. He could do it all. Another player I would love for them to sign, Gus Edwards. I mean, he is such a good running back and so underrated. It's unbelievable. I I absolutely love it. There's going to be a lot of choices. And honestly, I'm not an Etienne fan, and I really hope they don't draft him. Like, (laughs) I I just the offensive line isn't good enough for Etienne to, to get those holes that he needs. And if they went that route, I fear the worst for both sides, Atlanta and Etienne. But I just that I, that's kind of the the thing they need, and that's the thing Arthur Smith needs is a a good running back to get that play action pass going, which actually Matt Ryan is very good at. Matt Ryan's a play mm-hmm. action pass thrower. Yeah, I mean, look at Kirk Cousins up here in Minnesota. That's how he thrived. That's how mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson thrived. Because when you have a guy like Delvin Cook in the backfield. I mean, that's all you're focusing on. So they need a guy that can come in and be that Delvin Cook-ass type player where they're like, okay, we need to focus on the run. Matt Ryan's going to fool him with the play action. 
and Julio Jones hopefully bounces back. And Calvin Ridley, I, I think he does what he did, but I think Julio Jones is a major buy because he is, quote-unquote, falling off the age cliff. But you know what? When Julio Jones is healthy, I still have not seen a more dominant player on the field. Like it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. I've, I've very, I've enjoyed watching Julio play for a lot of my NFL watching career. And it's been a treat. Like I'm, I, I love the player. He's my favorite player of all time in the NFL. And, and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. You had the Julio, the new design Julio Jersey on last time you were on the pod. Actually, I remember that. Um, Yeah. And I have my Julio Jones. Funko. I like it. The headband is pretty boss on that one. Ty, I'm curious to what you think because Ty or Tyler was talking about it. Sorry, Ty, 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 Ty. Um, Tyler was talking about them going in the draft. I love Javante Williams, by the way, um, and dipping into free agency with a guy like Gus. I'm curious, Ty, do you think they're going to go one way or the other or are they just going to add multiple guys? Because um, Ito Smith has been somebody who you know has gotten a little bit of run there and i'm curious as to whether maybe they trust him um but what do you think it's going to look like is it going to be all new faces or is ito going to be a piece of it i mean ito could i think it definitely it's contingent on these pieces so we have to kind of wait to see like they they, it's one of these situations where they can't lie to us right like we're going to know if the running back is a better running back than ito smith pretty quick when they sign him I say yes and yes. Like they're gonna add running backs. I'm usually totally against prioritizing a running back, especially for a team. Ito's not it. Like, I'll like just throw Atlanta. that in. <laughs> yeah, like he's not. He's definitely not. And I don't think they're selling him as the guy by any means. It's uh, mm. you know, first off, I just think the scheme and the theme with Arthur Smith in town is establish the run, right? Like I know that's a trigger phrase, but the outside zone scheme, like that we saw in 2016, have so much success. The play action with Matt Ryan, all this stuff. It's going to be a very similar system. And it continues to take the league by storm. So in this system, a running back can be very important. And for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, like they know better. Not everybody's Cal Shanahan. Most coaches cannot just turn a Devontae Freeman or an Alfred Morris or a random undrafted free agent into a 1,500-yard rusher. So a talented back can really pay off in this offense, but they're going to have to pay for him, I think. And the draft is the path, no doubt. I haven't you know, brought up the cap here with Atlanta, but they have a lot of trouble uh ahead of them getting under the cap so quicker you know super quick sidebar like rebuilding the defense this offseason is a fucking pipe dream for the falcons like atlanta has 113 million dollars of their cap allocated to the offense they're spending the sixth most on that side of the ball so your bed is made sorry new regime but you know sleep in it so i think like a powerhouse offense what i'm saying is their only hope to be competitive Mm -hmm. And this, you look at this division, it's not like going into this season. Next year, there's going to be some ambiguity uh, so far, like some parity in that division when you think of, you know, Buccaneers having a 44-year-old quarterback, Drew Brees on his way out, Carolina still rebuilding. So I think they're they're just, a, Atlanta's a pretty decent bet to add the first running back off the board in the NFL draft, in my opinion, because they won't be able to sign a difference maker in free agency. I think ideally... The new GM like trades down, drafts Najee yeah. Harris, like a bona fide lead running back out of Alabama, who is huge. And we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, what Derrick Henry, you know, with Arthur Smith calling plays did for that offense. So think about Najee Harris. It's going to be hard for them to pass on that, I think. Yeah, I'm, I mentioned that a couple times uh, that that would be a good route for Atlanta. 
Uh, it's just with Matt Ryan. Yeah, maybe they keep him. He's not, he's not bad. Like people trash on Matt Ryan, but he is nope. probably one of the top 20 quarterbacks in the league. And, mm-hmm. and that's pretty good. I mean, there's probably only 20 really good quarterbacks that are actually NFL starting caliber in the NFL. And he's one of them. So in that aspect, you're, you're good there. Yeah. The cap is definitely a worry. It's, it's been, it's been a worry for a while because you're going to have Kelvin Ridley coming into the book soon. You have to worry about him. Hayden Hurst, he's going to be on the book soon because his first round pick area is coming up. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to make some decisions on, on that's Julio. Like if, if you're going to actually have him stay or if yeah. he's going to be, if he's going to go on a different team, but yeah, there's, there's definitely choices they got to make. And if they do go quarterback at four, it means that a rebuild is coming sooner than later. So they're going to really have to make some choices. Yeah. yeah I just worry about that cap having an effect on that. Like it's going to be hard to rebuild when you have all this, all these troubles. Like I think it just 2021, they might be just along for the ride. It feels like. Because yeah, like I mean, I, talking about free agency, imagine like Aaron Jones, how high I would be on mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, Trav, if he landed in this outside zone That'd be team. And excellent. Just so, yeah. I know, but and it's funny because it'll end up being Matt Breida, who also has familiarity in a scheme like this. I'd like that too. I'll, I'll be saying I can't, I can quit him. I just don't wanna. That's actually that's how about this because now. how about this because I know all three of us like this guy. How about Corey Clement, baby? i mean if they brought him in as a if they brought him in as a backup sure but i think i think our dreams of course being the guy like like say philadelphia isn't really truly high on miles sanders you can make a trade for a player like that alexander madison like the vikings like him go make a trade for him he's only 22 years old Mm -hmm. like they could go make a trade with somebody for a younger running back who's in the who's on the back burner at the moment and kind of be like, okay, we'll use this guy. And, and that, that, that could be just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like even somebody like Matt Breida, like you were saying, Ty, he could be serviceable if he can stay healthy in an offense like that paired with somebody else. Um, if they bring can Gus Edwards and Brietta and Brietta, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see them do that with the cap. Cause um, I, I didn't actually know that they were in that bad of shape in the cap, but um yeah those those guys would come fairly cheap gus depending you know maybe not and just really quick that's why the there's a little bit out there about julio and matt ryan possibly being dealt and you know there was comments that they won't be dealt that's because they have too much dead money on their contract to be dealt this offseason there's there's just no way you could move those two players and i don't I, i really don't think they should like it goes down to like i know people are might be worried from a fantasy perspective but i think because you know this has been the most pass heavy team and it hasn't been very close over the last three years straight uh, in Atlanta. So the volume is going to come way down. But if you look at things like completed air yards per attempt and stuff like that, because the air yards are going to come down too, but a lot of the efficiency is going to go up when it comes to play action, when it comes to, uh, you know, touchdowns and things like that. I think that's, what's going to go up uh, in this offense. And I think that can probably compensate for a lot of the dip in some of the air yards and things like that. Yeah, and Julio could restructure. He's a def- he's a guy yeah. that I feel like will want to retire a Falcon. He's like the the Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, last year there's a lot of trade rumors of him moving on. I think he really put those kind of put those flames out saying, you know, I want to be in Atlanta. I want to be in, my, in Atlanta for my career. And a guy like Grady Jarrett who's on the defensive end, he yeah. seems like a guy that would restructure <laughs> and be able to to get some cap and open. Have to. 
yeah. And and I think Keanu Neal's on the books for a decent amount. He could restructure. There's a lot of defensive He's players. A free agent. Yeah, they they're losing him. Oh, okay. And, and then like Deion Jones. He's, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he, he's owed a lot and he could restructure. There's, there's options. I mean, the cap is pretty much a myth when it comes down to it. I mean, mm-hmm. the Vikings have somehow just taken yeah, the exactly. cap and Steelers made it disappear. Fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's no, well definitely. said fellas. So we're going to stay South, but we're going to move East to Duval County in Jacksonville. Uh, you touched on him earlier, Tyler. Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars, um, bringing that stellar college resume. Obviously, never had a losing season in any season in college with all of the teams that he was with. Um, that is very impressive. He'll bring. Um, he used a spread offense a lot back in, in the college days. And we think he's going to bring that to Duval. He does have Daryl Bevel as his offensive coordinator. So he's got a little bit of NFL experience in the, yeah, in the room there, the former Minnesota OC, as well as Seattle. And most recently the lions. Um, So he's got, yeah. (laughs) So he's got half of the NFC North down. Um, But then you look at, the at the team and they got the number one pick trevor lawrence is most likely going to be coming in there they got some nice pieces in james robinson dj chark lavisca chenault um tyler do you think the, J- the jags made the right call in bringing urban meyer in or was it just kind of like the big name signing trying to trying to spark something different for shad Khan? i was i was kind of skeptical about it and then i asked uh dynasty rich rich dotson from dynasty nerds he's a big ohio state fan i said hey what do you think about it? And he told me, he goes, he's a winner. I mean, that's all he does is win. And he's a team coach. So honestly, to me, it's the it's the Dan Campbell situation. He's going to coach and he's going to let his coordinators do their job. I think he's going to have something to do with the offense and kind of I- implement that offense that he had in college. So guys like LaVisca will probably see a huge bump and he'll be used more as a weapon, which is what they kind of need to do. I thought LaVisca took tremendous strides in being a receiver, but they also mm-hmm. used him on those, those swing routes and all that. But yeah, I, I, I was a little worried that he's going to be kind of the Cordero Patterson type weaponized <laughs> player. And thank God he wasn't Yeah, because he is a really good player. Now yeah, I had some of those same worries myself, actually. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. And, and, and I would love for them to bring in a tight end. Let, let's see them bring in another weapon for But Trevor Lawrence is so good. I mean, you watch yeah. the tape. He can make throws. Not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL can make. He is a phenomenal player. He's the, I was listening to Matt Miller and they're talking. They said, okay, Herbert had a good season. Trevor Lawrence is where Herbert is at now. Like that's how good Trevor Lawrence is. Yeah. And, and that's, that's crazy to think about. So uh, Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. If you have a chance at him, I'm I'd pull the trigger easily and I'm I'm hanging on to that one on one in Superflex leagues with everything I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd love to get Trevor Lawrence anywhere I can. Yeah, for sure. I'd so, love to get uh I was going. gonna say make sure number one, first of all, checking out Tyler's ranks. I think you can find him at Dynasty Nerds if I'm not mistaken. I remember yeah. looking him up uh, last year on there. And yeah, pretty cool. He got to look into the crystal balls of Dynasty Rich there. <laughs> Yeah, and and you guys all said uh, if you haven't checked out Dynasty Nerds, um, you mentioned I wrote for fantasy footballers. 
Rich actually gave me my first ever opportunity to write for for a site, and uh, I will never, ever like he, he's like the father to me. He he's somebody who brought me into this community, and and I, I'm forever grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely a, a pillar of the fantasy community with what they're doing over there at the Nerds, and um, definitely anybody who's out in the Twitter space knows who they are. So um, that that's fantastic, my man. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, you were saying that the, he's going to kind of let the coordinator do the job. So, um, Ty, I'm going to start with you on this one. What do you think the offense is going to look like with, with Bevel getting that OC job? Um, because he kind of flipped the narrative on being a run heavy on offensive coordinator when he was with the lions and Stafford, they threw the ball quite a bit. So, um, what, what do you think? Do you think they're going to lean on James Robinson or is it going to be T law time from day one? I just don't think Daryl Bevel has any influence in the offense, to be completely honest. I think he's more than anything, he's like the translator, so to speak, right? Like it's mind blowing, but Urban Meyer has never worked in the NFL ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Bevel has worked with Brett Favre. So tons of experience and, you know, knows how the show works at the very least. I think this higher man is all about Urban Meyer. Like I really love what they're doing. Like it's just an exciting hire. I think my first takeaway was, like you go Jags, the fact they were able to kind of lure a guy like that, like mm-hmm. a whale, I think speaks volumes about Trevor Lawrence. First of all, I was going to say, um, all you have to remember, do is flash no- Trevor Lawrence highlights at him. And he's like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you go back and you think of some of the, the lack of anything that is of substance in this Jacksonville Jaguars organization. So I really, I'm happy for the fans for sure. And remember, there's no cap on coaches. Like it's such an obvious mm-hmm. spot to try and gain a competitive edge. And I, I just love when an owner opens their wallet to just straight up delegate. You know what I mean? I, I love it. The funny thing is, oh, though, and I they're think loaded. Is, I mean, that owner yeah, in Jacksonville, that is owner is loaded. loaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I really, I think it's a really boomer bust hire, though. Like, I, I do think that. Like, all the puzzle pieces are in the box here. You know what I mean? For Urban Meyer, draft capital, the most cap space in football, Trevor Lawrence. So I think it could go really well. But if it doesn't, I think it could go really really bad like urban myers had some health scares roughly retired once before lots of off-field concerns surrounding players like toxic culture in florida you know if you want to know what i'm talking about like read this they did a three-month investigation the sporting news did and it's just it was such an interesting read where 31 players were arrested in the six years uh when he was the gators head coach and then in ohio state there was an incident where he was put on leave for concealing allegations yeah it's just there's been a bunch of shit so there's some baggage there and, you know, he has a GM, uh, you know, now Urban Meyer probably has wide reaching control of all things Jaguars, but Trent Balky was an interesting guy to go with. I thought for GM in Jacksonville, like I think Urban Meyer will outlast him. That's for sure. So it's a weird dynamic right off the bat in that sense. And I won't be surprised if they butt heads once or five times for that matter. He's the former GM of the 49ers before John Lynch. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Trent Balky. And we remember he clashed with, with Jim Harborough that blew up the chip kelly fiasco both of them ended up getting fired but uh to go back to the main point here like i think urban meyer will have all his influence on the offense and i think it's going to be kind of like a mix of an rpo spread offense that we've seen him you know kind of manipulate his system to his players uh throughout all his coaching uh, history and i just think i talked a lot of shit there about how it could go wrong but yeah he just he wins he wins 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 Mm -hmm. right like three national championships ohio state couple with florida perfect season with utah i think he was like 180 and something and 30 that was his record in college football and it's just gonna be so hard not to fuck this up right like it's not like jaguars pass like to our point off the top like the top 10 pick 
they're set to make ain't Blake Bortles. It's not Blaine Gabbard. It's not Steelers yeah. soft spot Byron mm-hmm. Leftwich. Uh, God love him coaching the Super Bowl. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence widely regarded as like the best prospect of this millennium. And you mentioned the cap. You know, I, I just think they can control free agency pretty good. They, you know, they can even take on money for draft capital to add to their multiple first round picks. And so hard to fail when, you know, and I think the Jaguars are heading into like the brightest patch of their franchise we've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like uh, getting Trevor Lawrence. Thank you, Jets, by the way. Yeah. Getting Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Craig is Williams, like what up? The, the best the thing chair. that they could ever hope for. I mean, think about this. If they were going to be the number two pick, Justin Fields was going to be their pick. I like Fields, but he is not Trevor Lawrence. He's got his questions. Trevor Lawrence to me does not have questions. And, and that's the that's the complete difference. And I think that's what is going to make this team succeed. They've got that, they've got that cornerstone quarterback that I think we all know is going to succeed. And, and their offensive line is not bad. I mean, if James Robinson can run behind this offensive line, even with Cam Robinson being off and on good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great sign. I, I James Robinson's good. I mean, great. But is he as good as we saw? Like, what do you guys think of James Robinson? I've always had a hard time with it, and I've sold my shares probably too early. I just think they have to add somebody because James Robinson is a power back. What is Urban Meyer like? I think Urban Meyer, well, I mean, he had some power backs. Didn't he have Zeke? Yep. So yeah, JK Dobbins yeah. looked like a power back there with first. And I think yeah. James Robinson can be a receiving back, we saw as well. And I think for me, just on James Robinson, he showed a lot of things. Um, obviously his situation was shit, and he still showed a lot of things just talent-wise that can make him emerge through the guy that they add. So I think if they add anybody, it's not going to be anybody who's of significance or anybody who immediately is above James Robinson on the depth chart or anything like that. I think they're definitely going to add somebody as well because Chris Thompson's not going to hold up to getting any carries as the backup there. He's just a receiving back and and I'm not even necessarily sure if he's going to be back 100%, but uh, they definitely have to add because he's he's only going to play like six games a year anyway. Marcus Mosier on his podcast in Locked On Dynasty mentioned he would love for them to take Travis Etienne in the second round. Pair him up with Trevor Lawrence. You know, you got thunder and lightning to an aspect. Keep Etienne's touches lower. And, and you know, you can use the play action pass better. And he's like, what if Trevor Lawrence came in and said, you know, give me my guy. Give me my guy in the backfield that I had in college. That I mean... I don't like it, but I could you see that happening? I think it'd be hard for them to be strong armed by a quarterback who hasn't played for the franchise yet, like on on that end of it. <laughs> all he has like, to do is yeah, flash that. Would have all he has to do is flash the hair. Just <laughs> flash yeah. in the hair. I, I think Urban Meyer has the control in that franchise. I think that was a big part of uh, why I think it's a boomer bust hire because you, Urban Meyer is going to yeah. think he has all the control. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think James. I, mean, Ro- I think it would obviously be silly when you have James Robinson. They also the franchise treated James Robinson. Trent Bulky, this GM who was operating as the interim GM, seemed to make it clear that he was going to be the lead back in 2021. Uh, I'm sure they would. They, you know, if they hit on a running back, great. But I really, really don't think they'll prioritize one uh, because I think they're going to be spending a lot in free agency on other positions. Number one, but number two, I just think Urban Meyer probably he's at least come across as a guy who likes to use just one running back in college. So I, I hope that persists because I really like James Robinson. Like he showed out to me, 
a big guy who is playing like a little guy. I just, I love these running backs who are hard to bring down, but they also have that like explosive element to, to not spend time behind the line of scrimmage and just hit the hole. And uh, I think James Robinson's going to have a much better team in front of him. Like he had the least amount of touchdowns scored among all running backs who scored yeah. 250 fantasy points last year. So I think he can see increases in, in things like efficiency and touchdowns. Imagine them taking a guy like Michael Carter out of UNC. Perfect fit for them. Perfect. They already have him is kind of my, that's my take. Like, I think they already have a guy I, like that. I mean, Michael Carter is definitely shift shiftier. And yeah, yeah. I think, I just I think, mean, I think they have a lead back. Oh yeah. It, but I think Michael Carter though, and that, like that third down back role would be perfect. It, they'd yeah. pair perfect. They, they'd complement mm-hmm. each other so well. I think that would be a good fit. I mean, we all wanted Chris Thompson to get 60 catches. I think Michael Carter could come in and get 60 to 70 catches day one. I'm going to remain hopeful a, that Divina James Zingo Robinson was... gets those. <laughs> I mean, he did start to seed some of his pass catching work yeah. to Divina Zigbo once Zigbo came back and was healthy. And I think that might be the guy who's actually their number two running back who people are just like completely forgetting about, but I think is a, you know, a relatively you know, talented running back. Like I think he's the yeah. RB two or three, and I think Redwall well, Armstead. Yeah, face, and, and um, like we all want these running backs to get the the rushing and catching, but you know what? Those are so rare, and that's why you have to pay up to get yeah. the Delvin Cooks, and and that's why players like Clyde Edwards Hilaire are such a buy because if he, we all know Andy Reid's second year running backs are just insane. They're dominant. And that's why Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a huge buy for me because he could be that that running and catching back for a, a crazy good offense. That's why they're so rare and that's why they're so coveted is because they're rare. Elvin Kamara isn't that. Like people realize that oh, oh Elvin Kamara's, you know, he's this outstanding guy who gets all the touches. No, 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 no. Like Elvin Kamara gets a lot of efficient touches and he gets a lot of touchdowns. That's where Elvin Kamara scores his points. Guys like McCaffrey and Delvin Cook and Barkley are very rare, and that's what makes them special. And and I mean, if we can get James Robinson as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, and still have a guy like Michael Carter or a pass-catching back who's an RB3, especially with a high-powered offense, which I think this offense is going to be, yeah, that, that just creates more running backs for us to have. So it, it may look like it's a bad thing, but in turn, it's a positive because we get more depth at the position that is usually just so top heavy that the depth is nice to have. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, LaVisca Chenault is also going to see a lot of gadget oh, yeah. type use. Like it's going to be really exciting to see how many carries uh, he sees in, in games and how much motion and play action and stuff uh, Urban Meyer incorporates. I'm really excited to see all that. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. So we talked a little bit of Trevor Lawrence. We talked, um, you know, J-Rob and his situation. So I think I'm going to move us into the next team. I want to make sure we get through all seven of these hires tonight. Um, The Los Angeles Chargers brought in Brandon Staley from the Rams. Um, His offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi coming in with him. Staley, obviously, um, is a bit of the young hotness. He's off the Sean McVay coaching tree, obviously coming from Los Angeles. He is only 38 years old, and I couldn't find any info on this, but I'm I think he may have never kissed a girl. Um, so uh, <laughs> this was an interesting hire for me, Tyler. Do you know that reference, by the way? You will be not. We will ditch the honorary I, from your 
from your tag. I do not. You know that I do reference. not. No, no okay. one's getting that. <laughs> That's uh, what do you mean? No one's getting that. Like, I figure if any Americans Maybe get a, that, a Minnesotan could be the one yeah, who could. No, they get to like Tacoma and that's it. And then, okay, so it's back, uh, back the tragic, the tragically hip is uh, is an iconic Canadian band, and that's one of their songs is called 38 Years Old. I promise if you listen to it, you will thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but yeah, so interesting sorry way off that was that was train of thoughts gone because he thought i would get it i no i wasn't (laughs) sure actually i was just gonna see and then because you didn't get it right away or like you didn't call it out right away i wanted to just kind of check to see if you were a tragically hip fan um i think for this this vacancy we ty really wanted brian dable to land with the chargers um, yeah. so it kind of hurt badly that he didn't, um, above anything else, if he didn't land with the chargers, I am glad that he's back with Josh Allen, because I think that, uh, shows some consistency for Josh Allen, but, um, Staley to me is a defensive minded head coach coming in as the defensive coordinator for one season with the Rams, um, a great defense as well. Uh, he yes. was a quarterback as a player, which is kind of weird. He bounced around a bit before this past season. He was a linebackers coach in Chicago and Denver. Um, and then Vince or yeah, Vince Lombardi's grandkid, essentially Joe Lombardi comes in as his offensive coordinator and he has a bit of a spotty track record as well. So, um, Tyler, we'll kick it off with you. What type of offense do you think that, uh, this team in Los Angeles is going to run? Do you think they're going to huck it deep with Justin Herbert or are they going to try and balance it out with running the ball a little bit more with Austin Eckler and maybe somebody else that they bring in, um, beside him? Honestly, I think they'll probably just keep it as is. I mean, whatever. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yep. what Herbert was doing is perfect. I mean, Eckler is going to get a ton of work. Lombardi's coming in from New Orleans. They're going to use him like Alvin Kamara. So Eckler, I think, is going to get a, a decent bump. People kind of forget him as a player. And he is such a good player. And he's fun to watch. Uh, I love him. Uh, the, the wide receivers, on the other hand, I... I kind of hope they go get somebody. I hope mm-hmm. that they they use him. Like I, I hope, like what if a guy like like a Smith or Chase goes there? That would be great. And, and or imagine Kyle Pitts in this offense. Like that would oh I love that change. Like that would change everything. Use him like a Jared Cook, and. and just oh god like that would be an amazing position i'd be drafting pits anywhere i can that's beside the point because i think pits is one of the best prospects in this draft uh it's just i don't think they're going to change herbert i think eckler is who he is they'll probably they'll probably keep kelly as the number two kind of latavius murray role it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do at receiver. Right? Keenan Allen's going to be Keenan Allen. I think he might get a little bit of an uptick at targets, and I don't think you're going to see the the off games as much. I think you know Herbert's going to target him. I, I'm just curious to see if a guy like Guyton or Williams or is it Johnson Williams or Johnson? Uh, I they got both. <laughs> yeah, but well, Tyron, yeah, jo- Tyron Johnson yeah, is Ty- the other Tyron one. Johnson. Mike Williams, I think, is just going to be Mike Williams. You're going to hate starting him. And then there's going to be a week where you don't start him and he just tears it up and yeah. and you're going to hate yourself. But yeah, this offense, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I like the hire for the defense. If you're in any IDP leagues, go scoop up all these players because like Joey Bosa is going to dominate. 
and and you got got a guy like Murray in the middle who's gonna just soak up tackles. Derwin James is coming back, and he is he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL that everybody forgets. And and they got corners. They got so many corners still. So yeah, this defense is going to be dominant. If you are in a defensive league or any IDP, go out and get them. Like they're gonna be so good. Yeah, they got uh, bit by the injury bug on defense, unfortunately, with Derwin James. And I was expecting them to be one of the best defenses last year, but unfortunately, that didn't necessarily ring true this year. Ty, what are you expecting from, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi's grandkid coming in and um, <laughs> Staley coming from uh, from over in, in La La Land? Well, I think uh, Tyler nailed nailed it. Like, it, the defense is the big winner. Other than that, it's hard to find winners, so to speak. And it's hard to yeah. find, like, uh, a solid opinion of what, like, I think he's totally right. We're just going to see a continuation of what uh, we saw because I think we would have had a clear, you know, that age-old debate. Can Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler coexist? Can offenses be built around these two guys who have such polarizing skill sets? Uh, I thought I, we would have had a clear answer had someone like Brian Dable or Eric B enemy come in and taken this job. So unfortunately I think this move kind of high, it robs us of some upside because I'm kind of of the mind. I love Justin Herbert. It's just that he will regress. He broke the record for the touchdown, uh, the touchdown record for rookies. Rookies just don't throw 30 touchdown passes. Most quarterbacks don't throw 30 touchdown passes in a season. And he was just so unbelievably good under pressure. And that's just something that, you know, throughout history has always been not a very sticky thing to rely on. Uh, So I worry a little bit. And I think Joe Lombardi is kind of the unknown. Like he might be the X factor, the new offensive coordinator, uh, because the offense is kind of all on, on him. Right. And he's been, he comes from the saints. He's been running a pretty unassuming offense as Drew Brees has aged. And I, I just, I don't know what we can take from that because I'm not really sure what he's contributed to that. Like kind of an unknown so far as his influence on that saints offense. But, uh, you have to think he'll be able to weaponize Austin Eckler having a close-up view of Alvin Kamara for these last few years. Hopefully Lombardi has like all the Saints tricks up his sleeves, like the rub routes, the seam mm-hmm. stretching plays, the deep passing, basically. Uh, because he was actually in New Orleans back in the day, too, as a quarterback's coach as well. Drew Brees had 5,000-yard passing seasons four times under uh, under Lombardi. And again, I just, I just don't know what he did for it, though, because... He had a failed previous stint in Detroit. He he didn't look at it at all as an offensive coordinator half a decade ago. And you would think if he was such a hot commodity in the coaching world, he would have been, he would have hit by now. You know what I mean? He broke in under Jim Mora in 2006. You mentioned, you know, he's the grandson of of Vince Lombardi. So just adjusting for nepotism, this guy should be a fucking head coach by now. Right. But uh, (laughs) like as excited as I want to be, because I love Austin Eckler uh you know herbert keenan allen hunter henry but i I just i have some reservations and it's not all coaching like i just do think uh it's a little bit of herbert probably likely to regress a little bit uh and maybe this team running the ball a little bit more because i don't think we're going to see that 60 percent pass rate that we're hoping for going into 2021 so just uh you know I think they went off the board a little bit with their hires with the play caller as well. Yeah. And Joe Lombardi in particular just kind of feels like a failed politician vibe to him. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> no, I think that's really, really well said. And it's interesting when you look into Lombardi's like history in the past 10 years, he has two separate four year stints as the quarterback's coach in new Orleans. So I wonder if there's some factor of like, being Drew Brees' buddy in there where he's just kind of in there to to make life easier for easy breezy. Um, 
but that's kind of wild that he had so much tenure under right. Sean Payton. And I'm hoping for the Alvin Kamara effect, just like you guys. So for me, it's Austin Eckler that's the biggest winner here. And I'm just thinking, like, maybe I want to retract my statement a little bit about Herbert. Like, yeah, he's going to regress and everything, but a new coaching hire doesn't hurt him. Like, getting rid of Anthony Lynn can be a little bit of addition by subtraction when it comes to finishing out first halves, finishing out games. These are situations where you you can rack up a lot of uh, yards and situations that he can use his, use his legs, right? So I may not like the hires, but uh, to Tyler's point, Justin Herbert in particular could really sway me if they add an extra weapon, which I really hope they do because it's hard to find a winner, right? Like Austin Eckler probably, but is he going to get the 100 targets? Like that's what I need from him mm -hmm. basically. And, uh, you know, I think Keenan Allen, we probably saw his ceiling last year for his career because, you know, he even put some upside on top of a guy who had very little upside, just 100 catches, 1,200 yards every year, six touchdowns every year. So we see a little bit of upside in the touchdown department there, but I'm not sure he could see much more volume. Uh, maybe, you know, Joe Lombardi was an ex-tight end, so maybe Hunter Henry wins a little bit, but uh, I just think you have he's so many eight. weapons. Would... If he's oh, back, that's yeah. right, yeah. That's why. Maybe. That's why. Let's pray for. Or Kyle maybe Kyle Pitts, Pitts wins. Maybe yeah. Kyle Pitts gets that W. I'd like oh, that. <laughs> I'm taking. All Kyle right, Pitts, fellas. Like top six in all my rookie drafts, no matter where he goes. Yeah, he Kyle yeah. Pitts to me is already top five in any tight end premium league. Oh yeah, he's probably top like three. Well, depends. It really depends he, how much how bad you need a wide receiver. He's probably where T.J. Hawkinson was a couple years ago. Yeah, I think so. I think like probably better as a receiver. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I consider him way higher than. Hawkinson. Oh yeah, yeah. as a player, yeah. But Hawkinson was going top five for me. Yeah, for sure. In, in yeah. super flex tight end premium leagues. Bad yeah, for guy, sure. Admittedly. <laughs> um. So we're gonna keep it rolling. Uh, we're gonna go to my birds this time. The Philadelphia Eagles. They hired Nick Sirianni. And he comes over from the Colts, obviously, working under um, my long-lost Frank Reich. Uh, I miss you, Frank. Um, Sirianni has been the offensive coordinator there for the past three seasons. And before that, he was a quarterback coach and a wide receiver coach for the Chargers. So um, definitely Chargers connections um, for both of these guys, himself and his offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. Um the one thing with Sirianni, though, is that he's never actually called plays. He was obviously with Frank Reich for the last three years, and he didn't get that opportunity. Um, I'm curious, Tyler, do you have any concern for that Eagles offense having a little bit of a bounce back with Sirianni there, or do you think he's going to be good with that Frank Reich tutelage? You know what they need to do? They need to just get rid of Wentz and move on. Like, let the man go play somewhere else. Like, change it up. The locker room is so disgruntled because they have to, oh, wait, they have two good quarterbacks. You know what? You have two good quarterbacks. You don't have a quarterback. That's the saying. Like, you can't sit here and say, well, we've got these two guys. We're going to use them both. No. Carson Wentz is a confidence guy. He needs that motivation. He needs that person patting him on the back all the time. Say, no, 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 you're good. You're a good quarterback. You're our guy. He needs that confidence. And you could tell last year he knew the change was coming. He knew his time was coming because they took somebody in the second round. You know what happened? His confidence lacked. His mm -hmm. throwing motion completely changed, and his comp like it was just it was terrible to watch. I like, I like Wentz. I I really like Wentz. I think he's a me good quarterback. Too. Give me Wentz over Jared Goff, and I still think Goff is a decent quarterback. But man, if if these Andrew Luck's, Luck rumors are are false, if he goes to the Colts. 
Wentz is going to skyrocket to people because he just needs to leave. And you know what? What's going to happen? I would like the Eagles more if he left because then they have their guy, Jalen Hurts, and they can just stick with it. And then you can work this offense based off of his style instead of trying to figure out what style you're going to you're going to run. Like it, it's it's really confusing. And being an Eagles fan has got to be the most frustrating thing. I'd scream into a pillow all the time. It, it's it's like come on, like Howie, it's get pretty your, brutal. Get your shit together, Howie. Like come on, let, oh, let's... Howie needs to get the fuck out of there. I'm I Ty will tell you that I've been a Howie truther for a long time. I've loved a lot of the moves that he has made. Maybe, you know, a little bit. Early uh, on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I'm sick of I'm sick of it now, too. They need to bring somebody else in. Like, th- all the talk of Lewis Riddick. I would love some Lewis Riddick in there. Um, but that's not really happening. And I think, like, for me, um, I... I think the hire just signals that it's going to be Carson Wentz staying there though. I don't think he's going to yeah. go anywhere. They don't want to eat that contract. And I am also a Carson Wentz truther. And I think that um, with the right situation around him, especially a good offensive line, um, he can bounce back and be um, most of the quarterback we saw in that almost MVP season. And I just think Sirianni coming over from Frank Reich's uh, staff, Frank Reich being the guy who got the best out of Carson Wentz. Um, I think there was obviously lots of talk about the organization telling their new hire that they wanted Carson Wentz to be in the plan. So um, the Wentz truther in me likes that. And I'm super happy to hopefully get back the guy that won our hearts in 2017. Um, But the Eagles fan in me is just kind of frustrated with the situation. Personally, I think it would be great if Wentz bounced back and they could trade Jalen Hurts for some good draft capital and maybe hit on some fucking draft picks. That'd be cool. Like Justin, Je- oh wait, you guys passed up on Justin Jefferson. Oh, that, that's my bad. Okay, the only reason why I'm not super cheesed about that is because I still like Jalen Rager a lot, and I think um, he just needs to settle in. He was kind of injured and whatnot, so I Agreed. I don't think Jalen Rager is going to be going for 1400 like Justin Jefferson just did by any means. So um, definitely, I guess we probably should have taken Justin Jefferson, but I think Jalen Rager can be a nice piece. Did you see the the? Why are you laughing, Ahead, did Tyler. you did you see the war room of the Vikings after you guys took Rager? Yeah, they were like you guys got laugh. You guys got laughed at. Like they they were so happy you guys passed on Jefferson. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's funny I mean, about this hire, guys, is like I think the Eagles actually did pretty good because you think agreed. of other teams. The thing is, the other teams had the pick of the litter, right? Meanwhile, the Eagles' job was such a hard sell like if you run down the timeline of the last month in philly gm howie roseman is safe and water is wet howie backs carson wentz doug peterson says i'd rather take a year off Howie says okay uh so they go on the search Howie says to coaching candidates here i'm gonna be howie selling this i'm the guy who was hired in part of ways with andy reed chip kelly and now super bowl champion doug peterson uh our cap situation is the second worst in the league Two of your biggest needs, by the way, might be wide receiver and offensive line positions. We have the most money invested in already over 30 and $50 million respectively. The most also make these two quarterbacks coexist fix Wentz while you're at it. PS, there will be tons of interference from both ownership and me, Howie Roseman, the world's most <laughs> infallible GM. So given the circumstances, they did do good, but they got to fix it at the top before we can start talking about how they fix that quarterback situation, how they fix the trenches. 
And honestly, everyone's wrong. They need to fix the secondary. That was the true outlier from 2017. When you look at the collection of everything and then you see what was truly different in 2017 from the other years, it was that secondary. So I think bringing in the new defensive uh, coordinator is going to go a long way. We saw what he did for Xavier Rhodes next, uh, last year. If he could like bring back Darius Slay into that like elite conversation at the cornerback position, add a cornerback, build that secondary, uh, I think that's kind of like a huge huge priority for the Eagles, but they will probably just add more wide receivers and offensive linemen. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. Alshon should you... come off those books for the wide receivers too. Like if, why if are you guys restructuring be, Alshon all these be, times? Like, no, well, they just restructured time. the motherfucker too. Yeah, they did. That's and you right. want to know why? Because they're like, Oh, we'll just restructure you. You're still like 31, but you know what? His they body cut is, him for nothing. His body is like 58 years old. Like yeah, there's a difference between NFL age and your actual age. And Alshon is like 58 in NFL age. And you know what you need to do? Run the ball with your stud running back, Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders, in my mind, is a top six back in, in talent. Yeah. I mean, when you watch this guy run and, and when he actually is fully healthy, he's a stud. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, and this was with a terrible offensive line. So you put somebody in front of him that can block. This guy's going to be good. Run him the ball. Let Wentz do play action. Let Rager do his thing deep and do that. It doesn't take a genius to do that. Like that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it I, just seems I like think that's why they. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's why they went simple with Nick Sirianni is because they're not going to change a ton of what they're asking Carson Wentz to do, what the terminology or anything. It's all going to be very. Uh, familiar to these players in this West Coast variation offense. So I think from an X's and O's standpoint, I really like all that. And you talk about, they just need that one element, like that deep passing element to the offense or something. And I think Shane Steichen will go a long way. Uh, they hired as well as the offensive coordinator, had a lot of success with Herbert last year. I think that'll go a long way to like deep, deep passing play design and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and let's not uh, let's not forget about the press conference that we just saw from Sirianni when he said, <laughs> "Stop, stop." When he said, "When stop. he said the offense is going to be super easy to learn, but defenses are going to have trouble knowing yeah. what it is." And I think he said yeah. "systems" like fifteen times or something like that. And like he's well, going to install systems. Yeah, yeah. Public <laughs> speaking is hard, though, guys, especially for a guy who's ne- probably never done it. And uh, Doug Peterson is the former quarterback. No, well, he never yeah, but he could talk. He could like, talk out of his ass, no problem. Is, then, yeah, but he also so, would say dumb things like, "I don't know who my quarterback is." Like twice. Totally. <laughs> so here's what That's happened. What I'm saying. Here's what happened. The Eagles hired this guy, and this guy got like 16 notes from Frank Reich to Carson Wentz <laughs> that all he has to do each game passes off to Carson Wentz for motivation. That's all that's going to happen. Like he, he's not going to do anything. He was just nice. kind of the male guy. And it was like, here, this is from Frank. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just want Frank back. Damn it. Um, all right, guys. So we're running pretty long here. We're going to do, um, we're going to rapid fire these last two teams with new head coaches. Um, just so we can uh, fly out of here at around a buck and a half as far as our length. But uh, the New York Jets, they brought in Robert Sala. Um, I think a big piece of that, obviously, with Sala being an amazing motivator, is that he also brought in Mike LaFleur um, from San Francisco. Peter LaFleur's brother from Dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. Peter, <laughs> Peter and Matt's brother, yep. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur. 
he he's been following following Shanahan around the offensive coordinator for since like 2014. So that's a that's a good sign for me about this offense. Um, but really quick, guys, who do you think is the big winner from the New York Jets with these two hires coming in together from that Kyle Shanahan um, regime over in San Francisco? Tyler, let's start with you. Everyone. I mean, like, honestly, this team has been winning the offseason. And it's so mm-hmm. weird to say that they have probably the best coaching hire. They have one of the best coordinator, coordinator hire, hires. Sam Darnold, to me, is a huge win. I hope they keep Sam Darnold because mm-hmm. he is so talented. And what Adam Gase was doing with him was so frustrating to see. I I hated it because I was a Darnold mm-hmm. truther. I thought Darnold would be good, but man, you can't get past Adam Gase. Adam Gase is like the good yeah. blocker. Like you, you're not going to be good as long as I'm here. You saw what I did with Ryan Tannehill down in Miami. Yeah, it's happening to you, buddy. So I mean, it's going to be a huge change if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson, which we all we've all heard, and I think the Jets have the best chance to get him. Same. I I think that Darnold. In in my mind, the where Darnold is right now is where he needs to stay. It's his best chance to succeed. And, and Denzel Mims is a is a winner. And Chris Herndon, yes, we brought him up for how many years? It, it's it's Ladarius Green style type of, of hype that this guy. Sorry, getting. Ty. Sorry, Ty. Ty's a Steelers fan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ty probably and, can't talk anymore after that. And it's just, it, it's amazing how much has changed from the Jets' outlook from from fantasy and just even a fandom. Like being a Jets fan is mm-hmm. going to be fun. And they yeah, have the second, out. they have the second pick, and I would love for them to trade out of that, get more of that draft capital that they already have, get another weapon for Darnold. They've got Makai Becton, who is a monster. You only need Makai Becton, and you could put the rest of the line on the right side, and he would still dominate. Like, that's how good this guy is. I'm just over the moon excited for the Jets. And if you're a Jets fan, congratulations. In my mind, you guys have won the coaching hire and the offseason. Yeah, like yeah. going from the worst to the, like, you, yeah, you talk about worst to first, and that's what they did with their coaching hires, no doubt about it. And, uh, like Lafleur, I think is such a great hire. I mean, yeah, I'd go down the rabbit hole of you know Robert Sala being the best man at Mike Lafleur's wedding. So a little bit of nepotism that I already whined about with uh, Lombardi. That I like how it's being applied here for sure. Uh, hiring his his good buddy's younger brother because they were both grad assistants. Him and uh, him and Lafleur, uh, Matt Lafleur. So I really like that we're gonna see. Basically, that was our big question: Will we see? the Shanahan run game implemented here. So we will see that outside zone scheme sweeping the nation here as well for the Jets. So I'm really excited for that. I think the big winner is, you know, basically the run game and everything about the run game, uh, who we, we probably don't have the name of that running. Probably Travis, Travis Etienne. If he lands with the yeah, Jets, a one cut, good yeah, night, imagine a good one night. Cut. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I really do think, uh, they could be a team because remember they traded Jamal Adams. They do have multiple first round picks and stuff. Yeah. And they have a, a coach who can coach up that defense. Like you don't have to allocate all your picks to a defense when you have a guy who is literally just almost a guru. When you go back to a Seahawks and 49er days and 
I, I think you nailed it there, Tyler. Like everybody and everything is the winner. Just get Gase gone, right? Like rest in piss, buddy, to quote Brother yeah. Lynch. But uh, <laughs> really all the most important numbers, like everything trickles down from play volume. Play volume in Adam Gase's offenses has been historically low. Third down percentages, red zone trips, running back red zone carries, anything you can point to that are huge uh, proponents to pointing out uh, buys for fantasy football and stuff like that or things to uh, gravitate towards. You just you, you saw the opposite, just complete black hole in those departments when when it comes to Adam Gase. So I think he's so bad. He's yeah, just like so and it, it's inexplicable how bad he was. Like you can't convey just how bad he was. You can imagine all the hatred we have had as a community that for Jeff Fisher and some of these guys, John Fox, roll it all into one, and that's how oh, we yeah. actually feel about Adam Gase. Gase is way like, more. All I mean, yeah. he's so bad he couldn't even land them Trevor Lawrence. That's how bad <laughs> Adam Gase exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, Peyton Manning made that guy a shitload of money. To oh, say yeah. The least. Um, yeah. Like, Peyton could make the Hall of Fame just for that. Like, he <laughs> just could, he could he have all of his People don't realize, and people don't, like, they might not uh, get the feeling of how incremental the improvement will be if this team just ends up 25th in some of those metrics that I mentioned, like yeah. that alone will make them uh, exceed some of the very low expectations that we set on these right. players and guys like Denzel Mem- uh, Mims, you mentioned big target yeah. for me right now and Sam Darno. Like I imagine they do stick with them. Like if well, let's say if they do, it'll be the first instance, like you said, that he's not in the worst possible environment ever you know what i mean and the o-line i like that you mentioned makai becton because 2.1 yards for contact for attempt last year not great but just a massive improvement from 2019 when they were the worst team we have seen in the last yeah. half decade in yards before contact and yeah. say they take the tackle from, from oregon they got two booking tackles to protect sam darnold there's lots of routes they could go and, and like we said we're talking about with that zone 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 read concept like if they land a guy like Najee Harris or, or Travis Etienne or Javante Williams, like that running back is going to be so high. Like yeah. I'm not an Etienne yeah. guy. If he lands in New York, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to be all for it. Like he could jump to my RB three or two. And, and I, Oh God, like it just talking about it gets me all pumped up and, and it's really <laughs> like, it, okay, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo was with San Francisco. Who would you rather have, Jimmy G or Sam Darnold? Oh, Sam yeah, D. Yeah, Sam D and he's for 23 sure. years old. Like, he's he's pretty much a rookie. He's just a young kid. Yeah. He can and still I feel learn like what, what he's experience. missing is teachable. Yeah, and what he hasn't yeah. put on tape, which is like he's just a sketchy guy. That's the problem. He's inconsistent, and he has turnover-worthy plays or whatever. Those are fixable things in good systems. Yeah. With protection. Yeah, you just, you just get him, like you said, like give give him some opportunity to actually get the ball out without pressure and, and get the receivers in good positions to get them open. Unlike Gase did. It, it seemed like it was always like a nine route Rashad Perriman. Just stand there. We'll do a screen with you. Yeah. Mims, you do a nine route. That's all Everybody. they're hitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even the run game, like I keep going back to these outside zone schemes that are sweeping the nation. And they've been the theme of this episode because all these teams want to hire these guys who run the outside zone scheme. Uh, it's also the reason that guys like Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable probably don't have a job right now, unfortunately. But sidebar, a lot of that is because it can combat cover three, which a lot of defenses have gravitated towards as the NFL becomes more pass heavy. Um, but you still have so much potential in the passing game in these offenses with the rollouts, the play action, the motion, the lateral movement, the flood concepts. Like 
this is why teams are gravitating towards it on offense because it is a balanced attack in my opinion. And uh, so a lot of, like I've talked a lot about the run games, but a lot of it is, it, it helps the passing game immensely. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the last one. Hit it quick here. The Houston Texans, they brought in David Cully and Tim Kelly is the offensive coordinator. So it's Cully and Kelly. Um, this one felt like pretty, pretty left field for me, even more so maybe than the, uh, Staley one. Um, Cully has spent a little bit of time as the assistant head coach for big red over in Casey and in Philly. Uh, that's Andy Reed. Um, but he's actually been around the league since 1994. So he's kind of knows what he's doing here. Um, and then Tim Kelly actually worked under Bill O'Brien, which I found a little bit ironic, um, at Penn state. Um, so there is a little bit of Bill O'Brien yeah, left like in the building, I guess. Pure, yeah, a pure Bill O'Brien guy. He's the only, yeah. really quick job, he's the only new head coaching hire out of these seven who inherits a, a play call. And he inherits Bill O'Brien's play call. Yeah, that's that's really weird to force that on him. I, I will give Bill O'Brien credit. He is a decent offensive mind. The okay. only thing he was bad at was he was a terrible general manager for a team. Is like... It was like somebody with an offensive mind taking over a team in Madden and then just completely destroying it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of always had a sneaking suspicion he like didn't know how to read defenses. That's always been my like Bill O'Brien like literally doesn't know what cover three is. Like, well, the thing is, is we're gonna find out in Alabama <laughs> this year. Like we're gonna find yeah, out if he time. is actually decent. I mean, so if Sarkeesian can He'll actually do something no with time. Alabama, yeah. <laughs> If Sarkeesian could do something, because I hated him in Atlanta, he was, oh, God, it, I and, very much disliked him. And you think about Arthur Smith really quick. I got to throw it in. Like someone like Steve Sarkeesian, what's what's the problem has really been in Atlanta is finishing drives. Steve Sarkeesian, like his play calling around the goal line was catastrophic for, for Drunkeesian. Yeah. And uh, like what Arthur Smith brings to the table is the number two and number three best red zone touchdown rates in the last mm -hmm. half decade by any team. Well, I mean, when you've Smith's got Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, but also the play action, like Ryan Tannehill is yeah. literally unstoppable in the red John zone. You caught a bunch of those. That's, yeah, why, it, that's why we talk about Matt Ryan. It, Tannehill has a rushing aspect to him, and Matt Ryan doesn't. That's mm -hmm. why I do think they go quarterback at four. I hope it's not Zach Wilson. I'm not a Wilson fan, but man, Justin Fields in this offense would be outstanding. Or Trey Lance. Trey Lance is one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft, and he's got that that Ryan Tannehill style of play. I mean, any of those two in this offense would make life easier for Arthur Smith going back to the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up on the Texans here, fellas. Um, I'm just curious Ew. what we think about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like hopefully so... Pep Hamilton and David Cully offset Tim Kelly a little bit because yes, right. Pep this Hamilton is another was a team... heck of a hire. Yeah, yeah I, I like totally Pep think Hamilton. Pep Hamilton yeah. needs to be mentioned. Yeah, I wanted him to be like Matt Canada. I'm happy with as a Steelers fan as their offensive coordinator, but I would have been equally happy with Pep Hamilton. Yeah, Canada was a great hire, team. by the way. Yeah, this is just another team, guys, that should have hired Brian Dabler Eric the enemy. And uh, yes. Yeah, we should, uh, you know, Trav, Tyler, we should all uh, get together and talk uh, some of those big offensive coordinator hires in the future because the Matt Canada yeah. one changes things. The uh, the Shane. Uh, of course, you guys would like that. You bias SOBs. Guy named Canada, you guys like. 
<laughs> what of it, man? Well, I wanted what to bring up your it? tweet. You had a great tweet about it. Like, if he doesn't work out, just blame Canada as always. Yeah, just blame Canada. Blame Canada. <laughs> We're used to it. We are used to it. So great. Um, all right, fellas. I think that wraps it up pretty good. Um, we put in a good sesh here and got through a bunch of these <laughs> <Bob>. guys. And <laughs> um, yeah, so Tyler, I just want to start uh, start by saying thank you for jumping on the pod. I know you pulled the double shift on the show with Matthew Barry today, and uh, it's actually an honor that we kind of de facto followed up Matthew Barry on your pod schedule. <laughs> so um, we appreciate having you on, and uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Just <laughs> drop the mic on us and say no, I'm good. Um, but thanks, man, I appreciate it. No, it's always a good time. I, I love talking with you guys. Uh, seriously i have so much fun every time i come on so i'm i'm always i'm always willing to jump on the podcast beautiful well, you're yeah officially we'll, uh... a regular next time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah actually true, true. if we go snl route i gotta go five times then i'm like loyalty or royalty for <laughs> right for the podcast totally. right so yeah i'll jacket I'll, I'll book out a little bit and we'll get you that uh that red and white jacket with the big maple leaf on it. That's, that's our that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do see that you are rocking that true North t-shirt right now. So we appreciate that as well. And yeah. on that note, if anybody watching wants to go and check out any of our merch, go to viridianglobal.com and we've got it there in the Viridian football collective. Um, you can also get DHH merch at Viridian as well. So if you want to rep Tyler's crew, um, definitely go do that. You guys have some really cool designs. Actually. I love how you guys got the variations on the logo there's a camo one that i particularly like that looks really slick with the ribbon on the arm i love that design as well so uh viridianglobal.com has the entire football collective as well as their own designs that they're putting out um they got a really good uh dan campbell one actually that they just put yes. out with yes. dan campbell's it's campbell's soup but it's lion's blue mm -hmm. and it says something about like ripping your heart out or eating your kneecaps or something like that so um definitely go check that out and they always love it if you get their stuff if you uh tweet it out on twitter and put uh, hashtag rock in the v gear and uh, they like pants to put on those... though yeah make sure you throw... <laughs> make sure you're wearing pants yes yeah <laughs> um yeah and they like to post those on the website and and show the people rocking their stuff so thanks again tyler thanks again ty you can find ty at tnff tyrell ty do you have any uh parting shots for the people no, just uh, thanks so much, Tyler, for coming on. I've been a fan. Literally, uh, one of the very, very first podcasts I ever listened to uh, was the Dynasty Hack. We are so, old in podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, are, you're seriously OGs. And you guys have always had a fun, uh, like it's always been entertaining listening to it, uh, not just informative. So uh, really just somebody I've tried to emulate through the years when uh, when I've been doing this. So I, I, I just really appreciate all the work you've put in. I appreciate that. That that's awesome to hear, and uh, and that's what it's all about is just helping other people that that want to make things and you know make waves in the industry. And that's why I miss the website is because I I loved helping people, giving people a platform, and if I can help in other ways, it's always it's always awesome. Awesome, man, and we and we yeah, thank you sure for that. Make sure you're yep. grabbing Tyler's ranks too on uh, Dynasty Nerds. Dynasty yeah, Nerds, where you find yeah. absolutely. And go follow the YouTube channel as well. Um, and while you're at it, we wouldn't be mad if you checked out the TNFF network on YouTube too. So um, until next week, follow us on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB and the site is TrueNorthFFB.com. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Peace.